You're listening to 23 Jungle Tales on the Sports Objective. Between now and opening day, we will talk to 23 former Pirate baseball players about their path to East Carolina, their time in the purple and gold, and what they're up to now. Now let's talk Pirate baseball. Welcome in to Jungle Tales. That's 23 Jungle Tales right here on the Sports Objective. I'm Dave Rich along with my great friend Kyle from LaGrange Barber. How are you, man? What's going on, Dave? How are you guys doing tonight? Very excited to have a very special Jungle Tales here, Bubba. Thanks, as always, for your hard work behind the scenes. And uh, you outdid yourself yet again. Absolutely. Very excited to have this guy on, a native of Leland, North Carolina, of course. A lot of excellent baseball players have come not only out of Eastern North Carolina, but East Carolina University. Uh, welcome into the program, East Carolina Hall of Famer, Billy Beth. Billy, we appreciate your time. Oh, thanks so much. It's an honor to be on your show. It's an honor. I can't can't wait to keep following it, uh, but thank you so much. It's an honor to have you because, as I was telling you, that uh, the college years people always talk about are some of your best years, and I would agree with that. I love East Carolina. I always joke they should have never taken me. That's a whole other show. But uh, Coach O was uh, there when when uh, when I got there, and we wanted to obviously talk about him. And uh, Coach Baird is uh, someone that because we started the podcast, we're learning more about. And having you guys on, uh, we're trying to obviously do the current uh, ECU athletics. But obviously, one of the things I'm a history guy, so I love to go back and reminisce on a great day like this when it's dreary outside. It's raining January 12th. It's kind of like, hot stove league kind of stuff. It's great to reminisce, and yeah, I can talk every day about sports, in this particular case, baseball. Well, no question, especially uh, you hit it right on the head. It's a hot stove time, and everybody's anxious, ready to get going, for sure. Let's talk about your career. How did you get uh, – can you tell us how you you started, and uh, how did you come to East Carolina and become a Pirate? Sure, sure. Um well, my fam, my dad, uh, I come from a family of coaches. My dad was raised in uh, right outside of Goldsboro. And so uh, a lot of my family went to East Carolina. Uh, and so I really wanted to go to East Carolina. That's where I wanted to go to school. And uh, I was getting some interest from a lot of schools, and I was really just waiting for East Carolina. And then the, the coup de grace was – in 1976, East Carolina was 12 and 0 against the ACC in baseball. Wow! And I was recruited by a lot of the ACCs, but it's, you know, I wanted to go there because of my family being in Eastern North Carolina. But as soon as you know, I saw that, uh, you know, I, I signed. And back then, you know, you didn't. You, most of us signed the summer before, kind of like what Calvin Brown was talking about. You signed late spring or in the summer before you actually got to school, and so I signed about a you know month and a half. We were in the playoffs before school started, but um, it's where I wanted to go. You know, it was a natural. It was natural. Most people in Eastern North Carolina uh, that played baseball, I think, felt the same way I did. No doubt, well, Calvin uh, had us on the other night. We were talking about the. The very fact, and I t- talk about how rich our talent is, and you're a scout. We'll be talking about that too. But east of I-95, I guess you don't have to go far from where you're from to to find out the talent. This, uh, as far as major league talent as well, without question, especially back then. Uh, you know, all the all the the places around Greenville, and look at Greenville's history. Look at Ronald Vincent, just what he's done. Uh, back in the 70s, my, my dad was the coach at Rose High. I actually lived in Greenville uh, for a while before integration. And the Little League program was outstanding. And then in the 60s, you know, I think Greenville won the, uh, the Legion World Series back in the late 60s, early 70s. But the tradition just around Greenville immediately was outstanding. And that's one reason why East Carolina has always done really well. It's because of the communities uh, around Greenville have been great. The tradition is almost second to none, to be quite frank with you. 
Yeah, you talk about the tradition of baseball in Eastern North Carolina. Growing up where me and Dave did up in Martin County, we always heard about oh. you know, Gaylord Perry and Catfish oh. Hunter and, you know, guys from the northeastern part of the state. So the tradition of uh, of baseball in Eastern North Carolina goes deep. And speaking of uh, the northeastern part of the state, before the podcast, we were talking about uh, Coach O and, uh, you know, some of his uh, vernacular. And the way he talks and uh, talk a little bit, if you will, about Coach O and uh, some of his idio- idiosyncrasies. Well, I mentioned uh, uh, before uh, we got on, he wears black pants every day. Uh, uh, that's number one. And I, I'm not sure the year, but I'm pretty close. In the last 17, 19 years, he's only missed three days of running and he's going to run between seven and 8 a.m. Um, those Looks like Forrest Gump, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's wow. exactly right. He's probably the tightest human being I've ever been associated with. Uh, one time, it was some uh, scouts and I were going to East Carolina to watch a game, and I called him, and we were um, going to eat at Parker's. And I said, Coach, come on over and, and uh, you know, eat at Parker's. And, and we we're getting ready to pay the bill, and – he got his wallet out, and I'm telling you, the wallet was at least 50 years old. <laughs> it, it, it was, it was. I mean, it was. I said, Coach, how long have you had that wallet? And he was embarrassed to say, but did, did it creak uh, when he opened it? Because he never opens it. Uh, oh, no, you're exact. He didn't want to open it, uh, and we 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 basically had to pay for the bill. To make a long story short, there was no <laughs> question he wasn't going to pay for the bill. But he's a he's a great human being he's he's become real good friends with all the scouts and uh he, he's he's hilarious he's really a funny man but you're talking about somebody that uh knows the history of east carolina there's probably no one that can come close to recite the history that he can and not just baseball either he's been doing it so long uh, billy the one thing that we were talking pre-show is that He's worked for East Carolina so long in various roles that he easily retired. But I'll tell you one thing that um, I don't even want to think about that word retirement when it comes to Coach O. He does a lot of the stuff. I've always felt like he does a lot of stuff behind the scenes. He's there early, stays late. A lot of people don't realize that you can relate. And no Bubba can, too. If you've coached at any level, you know how many long hours. By the time those coaching stipends, you're probably getting like 10 cents an hour. But at the high school level for like both of us. But when it comes to the college level, there's no telling how many hours coach O has put in and 40, I would say, what is it? 40 years, 40 some years. Yeah. He, well, he, uh, I think he was a grad student when, when I first arrived, that was in 77. Then he, you know, got on the staff. He was basically on the staff since 77 anyway. So he's been there a long time. Yeah. He, he loves it. He, he, you know, he, he really does. He he deserves anything he can. East Carolina's lucky to have him. They're lucky to have him. They really are. <clears throat> no question. What about, uh, so when you came to East Carolina, um, can you talk about the your experience of, like, the field? What was the, how were things back then with, uh, we, we all love Harrington Field. Can you talk about your experience playing for East Carolina or the difference from high school to, your early days of ECU? Yeah, it was, um, you know, obviously <clears throat> the level of baseball was extremely high. And the first, our first year, my first year there, you know, back then, uh, Dave, there was only a remarkable thing. You, you guys may not know this, but there were only 32 teams went to regionals back yep. then. And, you know, now we got 64 a little bit embarrassing, I think. I, I don't like the system. But anyway, 32. So, you know, just to get in a regional was phenomenal. And uh, our first year in 1977, that was my first year, we got into a regional. Uh, we won the Southern Conference. And we went to University of South Carolina, who, I don't know, have you guys ever been to seen a baseball game at South Carolina? I would imagine Bubba has. I haven't, no. I, I know. Yeah. It, it, it's historically people who attend games, scouts, or it's historically the fans are probably as rough as anybody. 
I remember when I coached at Auburn, we lost uh, three games. We were on the field. They left us on the field, <coughs> and they beat us uh, in the last out. And the, the fans were throwing – they had fishing rods, and they were throwing hooks out on the field, like, and reeling us in. And, they're you know, they're really, they're really tough fans. But we went to South Carolina my first year in that regional. And June Reigns was the coach, and, you know, they, they had Mookie Wilson on the team. And they actually had two other guys that were on the team that ended up being general managers in Major League Baseball. But they had about six major leaguers on the field. And uh, but it was a uh, Wake Forest was there. And uh, but you know it was just a it was a tough deal just to get there. But it was South Carolina was by far the best team. But you know just getting into a regional with 32 teams was an honor in itself. And um, we were in the Southern Conference, which was a great league. I kind of hate that, you know, East the way the leagues are now, uh, you know, we play teams that, you know, back in the ECAC or you know, Southern Conference, you were playing local teams. You had good rivalries, and the baseball was really good. Uh, but we were in the Southern Conference my first three years. Then uh, my last year, we were independent. That's probably the biggest disappointment of my career period was my last year at East Carolina. Uh, I don't know where you guys were, but, but you can ask somebody. In 1980, March 1st, Greenville got 28 inches of snow. It was, we were in the carriage house apartments. I don't know what their name now. Uh, right off still there. Okay. And I remember... Uh, that night, we had on sweatpants with a hood. And we looked outside, and it was lightning and snowing as hard as it could. And we ended up having 28 inches. And we were supposed to open up the next day. But we ended up – that team was a great team. We were 28 and 5. I, I've spent my whole year – my whole life uh, – I was born in October of 1980. I have spent my whole life having my mama tell me stories. That's about true. the March 1980 blizzard and the thunder yeah. snow. Yeah. And she, you know, 1980, my mom was a young lady. She had no idea that it could thunder and lightning and snow. She thought the world was coming to an end. She was yeah. scared that she was scared yeah. that Jesus was about to come back down and take us all up to heaven. <laughs> it was um, it was unbelievable. We were supposed to open up March first, and so we got a lot of games. Of course, she didn't play as many games back then, but. We had a record of 28 and five, and we were independent. So the problem was we didn't have a conference tournament. So we were off five weeks. We went back home, school was out. Uh, some of us were, were hoping to get drafted, and some of us were starting to work. And it was five weeks from our last game where they announced the regionals. Wow. And only 32 teams. And we got uh, Coach Merritt, I remember he called me five weeks after our last game, and he said, Wichita State is winning 12 to 4. It's in the eighth inning. If they win, we're getting in the region. So uh, we got in, and that night we practiced. It had rained. There were six inches of water on the field, and we were hitting, you know, just trying to do something because we hadn't been together in five weeks. The next day, we practiced twice. And the, the guys from New Jersey or Virginia, they got there the next day. We practiced twice. And the next day, we got on a plane and went to Orono, Maine. Uh, and we went 0-2. But we really had a – it's one of the better teams that East Carolina – I'm not going to argue if it's the best team. It doesn't really matter. But it was one of the best teams East Carolina's ever had. But we just had those five weeks off where some most guys, a lot of guys didn't touch a baseball. And so we, you know, we went 0-2 and, and we were pretty, you know, the bottom line is we were pretty close to, to getting to Omaha. And we had 22 players on the team. Back then you did, you know, even now you only use about 20 guys. You may have 35, but we had 22. 14 from North Carolina, seven were drafted off that team, and two major leaguers off that team. 
But that's one of my biggest regrets because we had such a great team uh, that we that we couldn't get to Omaha because of that layoff that we had because we were independent. And uh, we got together. Most of the seniors, I called them. We got together this summer uh, and, and went to a restaurant. It was great to see those guys. But that's probably my biggest disappointment. So, But two of the four years – that I was at East Carolina, we were in a regional where they only took 32 teams. So, uh, you know, very proud of that. And Coach Baird was our – he was our my coach the last year. His first year was 1980, which was my last year. Uh, and he had a <clears throat> background professionally. He would <laughs> – now I tell scouts the, some of the stories he did, and they can't believe it. For example – in today's culture, uh, you know, as scouts, we'll go in the fall and, and teams will have a scout day and they'll run to 60 and they'll play in front of us. And uh, But Coach Baird really wanted a lot of us to get drafted and we would have 10 to 15 scouts in the spring before a spring game come out on the field and we were running to 60. You know, somebody could have blown their – hamstring but he didn't care and we didn't either we you know we were running to 60 and they were on the field right in a spring game which is unheard of but uh he was just trying to help us and trying to get us some exposure and you know like i said uh, seven of us were drafted off that team and two of the two of them ended up making it the big leagues but that was a that was a special team without question and like i said 14 of those guys were from north carolina uh because that's, that's where East Carolina, especially even in football, Pat Dye was the football coach when I came in there. I, I was recruited some in football. And, you know, you look, East Carolina did a lot of damage east of I-95 from a recruiting standpoint in football and baseball and Virginia Beach, Virginia. Like we had, I think we had uh, 14 from North Carolina, nine, or excuse me, uh, six from Virginia off that team. So, uh, anyway, that was my experience. And then I uh, obviously met my wife there, who was an occupational therapist. You know, East Carolina was one of a few schools that had therapy, occupational therapist, uh, the degree there. And uh, ended up getting my master's at East Carolina while I was playing professionally. I'd go back in the winter and work out with the team and uh, in the fall and, and was working towards my master's degree. And then the neat thing is, you know, being a coach, I was a college coach for 18 years, and now I've done this for 20. You know, I can always have a chance to get back uh, to East Carolina, and this just changed tremendously. But you're talking about the stadium. I'll tell one last story. In 1980, with that really good team we had, we were playing North Carolina. And the, the I asked Coach O would know. He said it's it maybe set – 3,000 people, 2,500. And anyway, we were ranked really high, and so was North Carolina. And, and during batting practice, there was a line, and the line extended over 100 yards to get in the stadium. The stadium was already packed, and they couldn't let anybody in uh, two hours before the game. And they wouldn't let anybody in unless you left, but, uh, you know, we ended up beating them uh, – that game at, at East Carolina, and, you know, it was loud. I think East Carolina always has been one of the toughest places to play in the state, even to this day because of the jungle. Because they got a home field advantage. But it was really a home field advantage before the stadium, to be quite honest with you. Cliff would tell you that. Before that stadium was built, because it was smaller and they were closer to the field, they would really do some damage on the opponents. And it was a big advantage for East Carolina. But, uh, you know, we ended up beating Carolina that day. And uh, obviously some of us found our way downtown somehow and, you know, had a good time. But <laughs> it was – that's what made East Carolina great. You know, you had a lot more girls than than boys at the school. You had some pretty girls. And, you know, you had some, the social life was great. Yeah, 60-40 is always a good ratio. Um, yeah. But, Billy, um, before I get to my question, we have a couple from our viewers. I'll go with the less serious one first. So, Wes Strom, 
a loyal viewer chimes in. Uh, he says, LOL, uh, I lived in Yopon Beach, Oak Island during that storm. The, the whole town had a giant snowball fight. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was it was phenomenal. Like you said, you know, one of you talked about your mother talked about it was unbelievable. And I like like she said, your mom, I can remember to this day. We were in those carriage house apartments. You could see the air coming out of your mouth. We couldn't keep the heat. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't heat the apartment, and you could see the lightning and snowing. Uh, and I haven't seen that since 1980, March first. Yeah, that was. Uh, I was in second grade, and I'll never forget that. That was the time when I think we went to school. We missed something like two weeks of school. Right. Doing that, and we were normally getting out of school early June, and we lost like two or three weeks of the summer vacation. And I'll never forget how like it was great when you had a chance to play in the snow and then it's middle of June and you're still going to school. Um, that was probably the, the roughest part of my elementary uh, school career is, is that, but um, speaking of, uh, and then uh, let's go to Johnny Gardner here uh, was Western Carolina, your biggest rival in the SoCon days. Oh, Western Carolina was a great, school matter of fact my freshman year the year we went to the regional we won the southern conference western carolina was one of the better teams they had wayne tollerson who played in the big leagues uh they had several great players uh without question western carolina western carolina's got a great tradition as you guys well know matter of fact i always tell the story because of uh my family were coaches after I retired from professional baseball, uh, I got into coaching ranks, started at East Carolina, and ended up uh, at NC State, and the East Carolina job opened up. Coach O left, and here it is. You know, I got a – I was uh, in a lot of publications. I was one of the leading candidates for the job. It was a dream job. My wife went out and bought me a new suit. <laughs> and anyway – Dave Hamrick, Mike Hamrick was the athletic director. And I interviewed, and right away I knew I wasn't getting the job. He asked, all he asked about was Western Carolina to this person that asked, and he was asking about Keith LeClaire. And I said nothing but great things about him because he was such a wonderful guy and a great coach. Uh, but anyway, I remember in the interview, that's all he asked me about was how good was Western, how how does Western do it? He never asked a word about me. And then after the interview, I sat in those bleachers. It was about 150 degrees with that new suit I had on, just sweating, you know, knowing that I wasn't getting the uh, the dream job that I, I wanted to have. But it worked out fine, you know, worked out great for both people. But Western's got a great – and they still do have a great uh, tradition. I I go there every year, and I've signed a couple players. I signed one kid that – really got close to making it from Western Carolina. It's just cold, as we all know. But it's not like Boone. I don't know. You know, Boone's got that elevation, uh, but it, it's this beautiful place. It's beautiful. I don't know how they do it. You know, how, Why would a kid want to go to Western and play baseball? But they've always had a great tradition. Now, Billy, talking about coaches, and you played from Monty Little for three years, and then you played your yeah. senior year with Coach Baird, who you, of course, later went on to, to coach with uh, down in Auburn. So, so just talk about um, those two gentlemen. And, you know, the modern-day Pirate fan knows a lot about uh, some of our other coaches, and Coach O, um, Coach LeClaire, obviously Randy Mazie, et cetera, yeah. Billy Godwin. Uh, tell us about those guys. Uh, well, Coach Baird – Probably um, if you look what he's done, you know, he went to Auburn and Auburn's had a great tradition in baseball. If you, But if you look from a wins and losses standpoint, it hadn't been close since he left. Uh, he was a very smart man, uh, just, you know, checked all the boxes as a coach. And uh, I, he's been like a second father to me. He got me drafted. He played with Kansas City. I played with Kansas City, got me drafted. I coached with him, was very fortunate to coach with him. And um, my wife is still real close with his wife. We talk fairly frequently, but he was extremely brilliant. And uh, I can't really say enough about him. I, I spent a lot of time on his couch 
when I was coaching in Auburn, <laughs> we would wait to five o'clock to play tennis. I don't, you know, it was probably 180 degrees at Auburn. It, it wasn't like it was going to cool off at five, but we, I lay on his couch after we eat lunch and, you know, I learned so much from him, but he's getting inducted to the uh, baseball hall of fame, the collegiate baseball hall of fame, but he's probably, he'll go down as one of the best coaches in college baseball bar none. Yeah, you've probably seen him on that Bo Jackson 30 by 30, 30 by 30. And, you know, he coached Bo and, but uh, it was a great experience for me to go to Auburn. Auburn's a great place. My daughter ended up going to school there and uh, they, they named the dugout after coach Baird a couple of years ago. And my family and I went down there and uh, he's, he's a tremendous man was a pitcher. He was a left-handed pitcher from uh, Prince George right outside of uh, Richmond. And he went to Farham Junior College and then came to East Carolina at a Farham Junior College to play with Coach Smith, Earl Smith. If you get a chance, because you guys love East Carolina, ask, you know, you ask Coach Overton about Earl Smith. He was really unique. Uh, I got to know Coach Smith pretty good when I came back and coached, but uh, how Bear played for Earl Smith and, uh, you know, went on to be one of the better left-handed pitchers. But Coach Coach Baird was is is still noted as one of the better pitching coaches in the country. He actually uh, was hired by our club, the Atlanta Braves, for a while to work with pitchers. So you know, highly noted as a great pitching coach. You read my mind, Billy, uh, talking about Bo Jackson being coached by Hal Baird. Um, I can imagine some of the stories that Coach Baird told you, and we look forward to having Coach Baird on the show and yeah. hearing those stories yeah. uh, from, from him directly. But um, is there maybe one story or two that he told you about Bo Jackson, his time well, at Auburn, that, that really stands out? Yeah, I got – you know, I was really lucky, really lucky to be around Bo a little bit. The first story I have, I always got two stories, is I'm retired from baseball, and now I'm coaching at East Carolina – and Coach Barrett asked me to go to their camp uh, and work their summer camp. And I don't know if you're familiar. Obviously, you know, you guys, we have these radar guns. And the guns that we have now gets the ball right out of the pitcher's hand. And uh, the guns are getting better and better. It's picking them up quicker and quicker. I, don't, I think some kids are throwing harder, but the technology is better, to make a long story short. But back in the day – this was 1985. The guns that they used then got the ball when it crossed the plate. So basically, if you're seeing 95 now, those old jugs guns would read 90 because it's getting it at the plate. Well, Coach Bear just got a uh, jugs gun, and Bo was walking around at camp. He was in summer school, and he said, Bo, I got this gun. Let's see how hard you throw and he took his shirt off. It was about 150 degrees. And he threw three balls. And they got him on the gun. He just warmed up three with three balls. And the next three balls were 90, 91, 92. He towered off, put his shirt back on, and went to class. So, you know, that's 96, 97 with these guns that we have now. That's how, you know, uh, just he – He's probably as gifted as anybody's ever played baseball, without question. But that was tells you how unique he was. Coach Barrett always tells a story about when Auburn was playing in the Superdome, and, and Auburn had an All-American punter, and he was trying to punt and hit the facade in the ceiling. Well, Bo just he couldn't do it. Bo just picked up the ball, threw it up there, and hit this facade. <laughs> he he was. Uh, he was he was something he was special without question. It's just sad. I always tell the story, you know, because in professional baseball, and again, he played with Kansas City, Coach Baird's connections, but because he was just starting to really figure out, he was just starting to really play really exceptional in Major League Baseball. And then he hurt his hip. And that's the sad part. We didn't get a chance to watch him more with Kansas City because he was just starting to really play exceptional baseball. Uh, and then he hurt his hip and the rest is history. But I wish uh, wish I could spend – but when you get Coach Baird, he can tell you several of them. I mean, I remember one he tells me about a scout 
an old scout was asking him about Bo and he said, you know, I just never seen him throw. Can he throw? And, and coach bear said, Hey, look, he can do everything. And it was a, they were playing Mississippi state and the ball went in the corner and, and Bo threw the guy at the plate from the wall and coach Beard happened to look down the line. He saw that scout and the scout just had a bunch of papers and he just threw them up in the air. You know, once Bo made that throw, cause he was, you know, the best athlete that's ever played this game without question. But you, he can give you a lot of good ones on, on, on him, and it, it, your viewers would love to hear him. He, He's he, a halfway decent running back, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one, Bubba. He was halfway decent, just halfway. <laughs> yeah, just halfway. Yeah, he was yeah. something else. He was something. Well, I still have his bat. I won't give you this story. It's a long one, but uh, I had to go to Chicago. I was – at Auburn and me and the assistant went to Chicago to recruit in January. We're going to some indoor facility, but Bo had just hurt his hip and we spent all day with him. And I still have his baseball bat. My wife keeps it beside her bed in case somebody can prove, but it, it's six to eight ounces heavier than any other big leaguer ever used. It's, you know, I can't even hardly pick it up. It's 38 ounces most of them in the big leagues now use 31. It's 38, and you can't, you know, it, he's just – that's how strong he was. It's unbelievable. Amazing stuff. We're so glad to have you here on uh, Jungle Tales today, especially uh, when it comes to baseball. The weather's not great right now, but looking uh, as far as the Atlanta Braves, uh, nice little run going on now, uh, and uh, they've had a nice run, obviously, uh, I was telling we've had uh, different people on, and one of the things that I've been very frustrated about is I know that the landscape is different when it comes to television. A few days ago, I was thinking about, again, reminiscing about how I used to love how you could have TBS would be the Braves. You have yeah. the WGN with Chicago with, uh, yeah. with the Cubs, a different WR with the Mets, and uh, Chip Carey we had on recently. And, wow. uh, yeah, the very fact of having the – that's how you could follow the game. And you knew, yeah. like, staying up late. Um, that's why I wanted a big satellite dish in the backyard in the 80s is the fact that I could watch a lot of baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, with the MLB package, you got them all now. So. Yeah, question. What about the Braves? Uh, what Are there some stories that you have with your time with the Braves that, uh, that really stick out? Yeah, I've been, like I said, I've been real fortunate. You guys know. You know, when you're in athletics, uh, it's hard to stay in athletics. In other words, you got you're getting paid to win. Let's just, you know, you need to be productive, and uh, that goes to almost any occupation in 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 athletics. And I've been lucky to be 20 years, and uh, you know, probably one of the latest ones that was very rewarding. I don't know if you guys followed this. But, you know, we lost to the Dodgers this past year. And one of the games uh, that we won, a young man that I signed, he's from Hillsboro. He went to Orange High School. He pitched that, He pitched a one-hitter against the Dodgers in the playoffs. So, you know, that was very uh, rewarding for me. Uh, we got this kid in the fourth round. He's probably one of the best football players that uh, Orange High School had ever had. He was a right-handed pitcher. His name is Bryce Wilson. But we needed to win that game against the Dodgers. It actually put us up three to one, if some of you remember. But he was a rookie. You know, he's 22, and he was pitching against Clayton Kershaw and pitched a one-hitter. We won the game pretty easy. And so, you know, that was extremely gratifying for me to – uh, that's kind of the part that you you know you dream of as a scout to get a kid to help you win and go to the World Series. We got pretty close, but that was a special moment for me. And yeah, I've been lucky. You know, we won 14 straight championships with the Atlanta Braves. You know, not too many people in marbles win 14. <laughs> so been really lucky. And and this area is so such good talent. I mean, if you when you go in the draft room, they'll have a map of the United States and they'll have hot spots, Texas, Florida, California, and the Carolinas. You know, there's a lot of big leaguers. 
that come out of the Carolinas. And that's why it's, so, it's such a rewarding and fun job. You can get in your car. You can go to East Carolina. You can go to Carolina. You can go to Orange High School and see a potential major league. And, uh, but, you know, being with Atlanta as a local hometown team, that's also been uh, a lot more enjoyable than maybe working for the Seattle Mariners, if you know what I mean. So, uh, but we had a great run. We got real close and hopefully, uh, you know, we can do some more damage next year. So. What about when it comes to uh, labor talks? I know that's one of the things in uh, this year that I, I'm concerned about. I haven't been concerned literally since uh, the 94, 95 time period. Is that something that you're worried about? Uh, you have more inside than I do, but I'm praying that as a fan, somebody that loves the game like myself, that we don't have any kind of work stoppage. I hope not. I, I don't have that much insight. I'm more on the amateur side uh, from amateur baseball, but I'm probably right there with you. I hope and pray we don't, but uh, I guess time will tell what we got one more season, right? And then you got to, we got to sign a new bargain agreement. So you probably know as you know as much as I do. I don't have any inside information. I'm just like a fan in that regard. I just hope they can get that part done. No question. Yeah, yeah. Billy, talk about um, your time uh, in the minor leagues. You played five years before you got into coaching. I know you made it as high as Double A. You played with the Memphis Chicks, and you yeah. you uh, were telling me earlier that you crossed paths with um, David Cohn as well as Saberhagen. Yeah, I was uh, really lucky to, again, you, you know, we had a great team. So when you have good teams, scouts end up coming to the game a little bit more. You know, so uh, uh, so we had, a, like I said, we had seven off that team get drafted. And uh, I know I talked to you about Butch Davis, who hopefully will get on the show here. Uh, he's from Williamston, Martin County. You got, you know, he's uh, his his relatives still live in Williamston. Butch lives now in Garner. But anyway, Butch and I both were drafted by Kansas City uh, because of Coach Bear's help. And uh, I remember things had changed so much, but I got drafted in the 27th round. And, you know, I laid by the phone like an idiot for three days, just hoping it was going to ring. It, it never rang. It never rang. And uh, after the draft was over with and my phone didn't ring and I was extremely depressed and I went to play golf and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And the next day you got a, uh, a telegram saying that you were drafted. So anyway, I played five years, had a great uh, run there. And then my last year in double A uh, was probably my best year. I hit 10th in the league in double A. But that was when Coach Fair left to go to Auburn, and I had completed my master's degree. And you had to have a master's degree back then because I actually taught at East Carolina. Uh, that's where most of my income came from, was teaching. And uh, But and that was in 1984. Coach, Coach O called me and wanted me to be his assistant coach. And the five years that I played professionally, I was a center fielder where our number one pick for five years in a row, for four out of five years, was a center, field, was a center fielder. Uh, so that didn't help my process. But it was a, it was a tough decision. And, uh, you know, Coach Baird says this all the time. The reason why we scout or the reason why we coach is because we can't play anymore. You know, playing is the most enjoyable thing. It uh, doesn't even come close to scouting or coaching. And it was a tough decision, but – that's, uh, I, you know, in some ways I wish I'd have kept playing, but, you know, anyway, I played five years and I retired. And Kansas City, I remember, they wouldn't even give me my release. They wouldn't give me my release, uh, even though I told them I was going on moving on to coaching. But I don't know if I'd have made it or not. Like I said, Kansas City had a great farm system. Their major team was really, really good. And uh, anyway, so I retired. And that's when I came with uh, Coach O in 1980, the uh, fall of 1984, I guess it was. Uh, but I had a wonderful time. You know, like I said before, uh, we all want to compete at the highest level. And, you know, when you're trying to work your way to the major leagues, just like scouting, it's hard to sign a kid and get him to the major leagues. 
you know, the percentages don't leave you. What is it? 50%, less than 50% of the first rounders don't make it. So even as a player, it's extremely competitive. Uh, I was even looking the other day, I told Butch when I called him about your show, I think Butch and Chad Tracy are the two position players that have played in the big leagues from East Carolina in the last 40 years. Wow. And so that just, you know, just how hard to make it to the big leagues. Now we got a lot of pitchers that have made it to the big leagues. We got Sean Armstrong up there now with the Orioles. Uh, Seth Manus made it and Jeff Hoffman, but Mike Wright, Michael Wright. That's right. Just it's hard to make it. You know, they're, they're making a lot of money and a lot of people want to make that money. So they're trying, you know, it's hard. It's really hard. And, and it's hard scouting and signing a kid that can play in the big leagues. That That's just, that's what makes it fun. It's hard. Very hard. Billy, have you ever had a kid that you scouted that you thought, well, he's all right, but there's no way he'll ever make it to the MLB and then he makes it and you're surprised? Oh, it, it, what it does, what, what I've learned is, I'll give you a great story. There's a kid named Webster. This kid ended up being one of the top prospects in Major League Baseball. He pitched in the big leagues. I can't remember his first name. He was from Eden, North Carolina, E-D-E-N, right below the Virginia line. Above yeah, by Reedsville. Bingo. Well, I get a phone call that this kid had a good arm. This is his last game. I mean, in this business, you know, we're scouting – as young as we can to develop history on kids. So you can less likely to make a mistake. If you see a kid for two years, you're, you know, you got a better chance to know what he is than versus one time. But anyway, this was the kid's last game. And I went up there. There were only two scouts that had seen this kid, but he was as country as you'd ever seen a kid in your life. He was a country bumpkin. So me and the Dodger scout, we were the only two to ever see the kid. He comes in from shortstop. He pitches three innings, and, you know, he looked like a late draft. Anyway, we went over to the scout, and I went over there talked to him, and, and uh, the other Dodger scout was much older than I was, so he was holding the conversation. He said, he said, where are you thinking about going to school? And he goes, well, I'm thinking about walking on at Rock, Rockingham Community College. <laughs> and, and, you know, his mom and dad were uh, hadn't gone to college. And to make a long story short, I brought him to a workout in Atlanta, and he was throwing a ball up. I mean, uh, our, our pitching guy was saying, you know, now throw a two-seamer here. And he goes, he would shake his head. What's a two-seamer? I never heard of no two-seamer. <laughs> I'm sure my people were thinking, Billy has lost it bringing this kid here. He has really lost it. But anyway – so his workout was awful. Well, he goes to the Dodgers workout. And he, you got to remember, there's 30 teams. There's only two teams. And they sign him, give him like $20,000. Next thing you know, he's the top prospect in baseball. He ended up pitching in the big leagues with Boston some and, and somebody else. But he pitched about four or five years in the big leagues. And you would have thought this guy had no chance to <laughs> even pitch maybe in junior college. So, you know, now and, – and that's where I feel bad for college coaches now. You know, they're signed, they're getting commitments from sophomores. Here we are in this business, you know, we see a kid play for a year or two and we still make mistakes and they're signing a high school kid sophomore. So, you know, it's, it's so much uh, – you better be lucky as a college coach, I can tell you that, because there's so many things that can happen. Or did you find the right kid? Is he going to get drafted and not even – show up to your program, you know, I feel bad for college coaches now. I really do. Uh, uh, I think a good lesson to be learned from that. If you run into a hit kid in some small town in North Carolina, he can probably play baseball. That's right. That's exactly. And, and, and that's, that's how you should approach it in my business. You try to uncover every stone that there is because you don't know. You really don't know. And then the truth of the matter is, you know, there's and a lot of the truth of the matter is there's not that much difference between these first rounders who are getting, you know, one point eight to to seven million to a kid that goes in the fifth round. There really isn't that much difference other than the money. But you're right. Uh, 
uh, you just got to uncover every stone there is because you don't, you just don't know. You really don't know. Billy, what about a kid like Alec Burleson who just uh, proud of him graduating? Uh, and one of the best I've seen him recently, as far as the kid, I think could play every single position. And I, it may sound like some of them being nice or exaggerating, but just uh, my novice, like my lens that I'm looking at compared to yours, uh, he's one of the best I've seen in a while. Really, he, he really was. You know, he was a, on Team USA. I got to see him at two, Team USA. I had to cover that. And the thing that, that he could do, what made him special and what made him go well in the draft and get some money was because he could – you know, he didn't swing and miss a lot. And now and uh, most of us older people will even – or I, th I think the facts of the matter is, uh, you know, from a hitting standpoint, we've gotten worse in baseball. There's too many strikeouts, uh, there, you know, and you can't find a hitter. So that's where Burley really stood out like a sore thumb. You know, he didn't swing and miss a lot, and therefore, you know, that's why he had the success he had. And that's why he got drafted where he did, and he deserved every penny of it because he was one of the best in the country. And that's what we got to have. That's what we're looking for. He's exactly what we're looking for. If he would have played, you know, I can't remember what round did he go in. Maybe the second or third round, or I know what I, I know. Was, second, I think. was it the second or third round? It, it was the supplemental part of the second round. Okay, then other than Hoffman, that's the highest of any East Carolina kid in the history of, of East Carolina, and he was a first baseman left fielder. So that just tells you how good he was to go as a supplemental pick because he wasn't a middle-of-the-diamond guy. Those are the ones, you know, that are uh, really the ones that usually go really high. But his bat-to-ball skills were exceptional. Uh, and that's why he's he's got a great chance to play in the major leagues. It's because uh, his bat to ball skills. But you know, there's a, there's another one you talked about, Bubba, uh, country boy. Uh, you know, uh, just a blue collar. That's what East Carolina's always had their success with. Just give me a blue collar kid that loves to play baseball. And he was that in every regard. But he was a great ambassador for our school and an exceptional hitter. It's going to be interesting to follow his career. You know, COVID hurt the minor leagues and uh, the the number of games. But it looks like we're going to be – we're going to play minor leagues and he can get going along with everybody else. But he was an exceptional hitter. But that's why he went in the supplemental pick, make no bones about it, is his, his bat-to-ball skills. And you got to credit Cliff. You can see – I can see, you know, as a former coach – it's a natural thing when I leave a game to have my opinion, whether it's wrong or right, about a coach. But Cliff Goblin does an exceptional job with the hitters in that regard. He he puts a premium on, uh, you know, putting the ball in play and not striking out. And uh, you know, he Burley should probably give Cliff some of that money that he got. That's the bottom line. A nice little, a nice little hey, tip, right? He, he really should. He should. <laughs> now, now, Billy, kind of shifting gears a little bit, but sticking with that same topic as far as not striking out a lot and putting the ball in play. In preparation for this interview, I came across some numbers that said your junior and senior year, you only struck out three times in 291 at-bats. So, so talk about your knack at putting the ball in play and finding a way on base. Yeah, well, back then, and I think you're going to see that trend – uh, start happening more and more in the major leagues. I, somebody told me about 12 years ago, major league average was 269, and now it's 249. It's sad. And But back then, Coach Baird and a lot of coaches, you know, you just emphasized putting the ball in play. And if you didn't, you, know, you probably had to run a lot. And so I didn't want to run a lot, so I learned pretty quick. But, yeah, I was lucky to be a left-handed hitter. That helped tremendously. And you know, I grew up in the tobacco field, and my, my best friend and I, who was a much better player than I was in, at, in high school, we would play pepper for hours. And uh, it's a skill you don't see much. And you know, one year I coached with Atlanta, and Dayton Moore, who's the general manager for Kansas City, 
was running our minor league system. And I was coaching with the Braves after I scouted. And uh, I thought it was genius. He, he made it a rule where 30 minutes before our game, every player had to play pepper for 20 minutes. But you don't ever see it anymore. You know, back in the old days, those old films you see, it, uh, back in the 50s, it would say have a sign, no pepper, uh, you know. But now kids don't play it anymore, and probably one of the reasons why we're striking out the rate that we are. But that was a big reason why I didn't. I played a lot of pepper when I was young. So hopefully we'll get back to that because everybody wants to see the ball in play a little bit more and uh, versus just hitting the ball out. And hopefully I'm a big fan of that, you know, stealing bases, playing the little game. And, uh, again, I have to uh, give Cliff a lot of credit. I, I've seen him win games. I, they played Wilmington a couple years ago, and they bunted four times and – I think Wilmington, they only got two hits, and Wilmington threw the ball away. Most of the time in baseball, you don't win the game. You usually lose the game. And Wilmington, you know, threw the ball away, and that's how the Pirates won. And Cliff takes advantage of that and, and, and does a tremendous job in that regard. But Yeah, that's, that's one thing that I really love about Cliff Godwin, the way he uses the short game, he and his yeah. staff um, – and not and like you're saying, he uses it in situations where it's not obvious that you're that you're bunting. And uh, you, you think back to Eric Tyler, er, Eric Tyler, yeah. um, not the certainly not the fastest guy in the world, but he was a tremendous bunter. Yeah, and, and, and Char, Charlie Organ did it very well, also. No question. And, and the thing about it, like I said before, a lot of times they throw it away, and and that's the uh, you know, you we understand from a sabermetric standpoint, the bunning is not uh, uh, it's not something that they like the sabermetrics people, but they throw the ball away a lot. And like I said before, you don't win games, you end up losing games, and you put pressure on the other team, and and that's what East Carolina has done. You know, they don't give up at bats; they make that pitcher throw an extra two or three pitches. And you can see it. It stands out like a sore thumb. And, you, and we all should be very proud of East Carolina because I can tell you this, you can go to most other games and it's not even close. Uh, uh, so he, he's, 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 put him, he's made East Carolina an advantage in that regard versus the other schools without question. It's just I know East Carolina wants to get back to Omaha and we all, you know, we want them, but you know, you're talking about the top. It's hard. Yeah, I think East Carolina's been in 19 Super Regionals, and they've won five of them. It's just really hard. Uh, you know, so I, while I'm on this, I wanted to say to people listening, you know, just because you don't go to Omaha, you know, don't – you know, it's still a great program. It's just really hard. It's really hard. And they've been close, you know. Well, Cliff got to Texas Tech that one year and got yeah, close. In 2016. Yeah, you know, Louisville. I mean, I don't know. The, the biggest thing is when North Carolina years ago signed a guy named Daniel Bard, who's still pitching in the big leagues, and a guy named Andrew Miller. And what happened is they got those two guys, and that got them to Omaha two of the four years uh, that they were there. And you just got to have some luck. And, and you know, they those guys now – we have so much money in Major League Baseball. If a guy's got a good arm, we're getting them. You know, and East Carolina needs a break like that. They need to get an arm, but it's just it's easier said than done. It's just easier said than done. But, uh, you know, I hear that a lot when I go to East Carolina, and my opinion is this. East Carolina, without question, is one of the best programs in the state. And just because they haven't gone to Omaha – you know, doesn't take anything away from that. I think it's just a matter of time. I just, I'm not a real fan of people saying a lot because I don't know. It may be wrong or right, but you know, uh, they they they're doing okay. They're doing okay. East Carolina's going fine. It, it's just to be a matter of time. But just because they don't go, make no bones about it. The people in the baseball industry, they know how good East Carolina. Yeah, it's, well, it's looking like the pitching depth is going to be deeper than it's been um, potentially ever. And uh, you're talking about, you know, Cliff bringing in that really, really elite arm. And it looked like we were going to have him, you know, then McKenzie Gore goes second overall. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, hey, no question. A great job getting McQu just getting Mackenzie Gore is that's one thing. And then you got to you got to get him away from the pro people. And but the one thing about it is, speaking of having a good arm, you know they got and maybe that's going to play well for East Carolina. But they got a big arm there now who turned down uh, the turned down us or Major League Baseball last year. One of the better arms in the country uh, is Gavin Williams. So. Yeah. You know they got a they they got one of the best arms in the country there. You know he got hurt even though we had a COVID year last year. You know he hurt his finger, but you know he needs to put put East Carolina on his back and kind of do what he can because it'll be it's going to be hard to get another arm like that in, in college. Period. He's one of the premier arms in the country. He stacks up against any college kid uh, pitching wise from an arm strength standpoint. That doesn't mean you can get him out, but he's got a big arm. So hopefully he can do some damage. I hope so. Was that team last year, you'll never know. That's what's so, so sad about 2020. Uh, definitely, I thought, a, a potential of a, at least a super regional team. Uh, but it seems like it's when uh, we're so focused on something, like in life, you're so focused on it. When you least expect it, that's yeah. what's going to happen. I think the same way with Omaha is when we least expect it. That's Good what it's going to happen. Dave, that's a great point because I was thinking about this before coming on the show. I mean, look at Coastal Carolina. They want it all. They want – so yeah. the good news for the East Carolina fans is this. Here's the good news. There's no question about it. Ten to 15 years ago, you could see a big difference with Texas, UCLA, USC compared to the mid-level schools because they could get those arms. Well, now we're getting all those arms, Major League Baseball. So it's kind of you got more parity than you've ever had, hence Coastal Carolina. Not only do they go to Omaha, they win it all. So if they can do it, we know East Carolina can certainly do it. So that's the good news. I'm very excited about that very fact is that I was uh, talking to Cliff today about we interviewed him having him on our next show about the very he always says on Twitter, we we've got another stud. We've got another stud. But Cliff Godwin says a stud is coming in. He's not just being nice. And uh, and I really believe with uh, having Coach Dietrich, you already had uh, Jeff Palumbo. I mean, the coaching staff alone is a huge advantage in my opinion. And I'm not saying that because of East Carolina. Yeah, no, I've been knowing Jeff Palumbo for a long time. He was at VCU with a good friend of mine, Paul Keys, and he's a tr he's. He's well, he's way up there in the baseball, people that know baseball. He would be uh, usually guys like him or head coaches somewhere. He, he's, you just look at your infielders, how good they've been. And he's been a big reason for that. He's a great coach. He's great. Just be patient. You know, it, it, it'll happen. But, uh, you know, it's, at the same time, we know just how hard how hard it is, and they're successful even if they don't go. If, in my opinion, anyway, no question about it. And uh, when they do go to Omaha, will you be there, Billy? I hope. I, I hope. Hope I'm still kicking. I hope I'm still kicking. <laughs> you know, it depends on what the Atlanta Braves want me to do. Uh, sometimes, you know, we'll go out there, and you know, now the drafts got pushed back. Is actually after Omaha now. Usually was before. So. We just have to wait and see what happens. But uh, if I'm not there, I'll certainly be watching. Hey, Billy, take us back to 2014. Just talk about uh, what I mentioned in the open. As far as you being an East Carolina Hall of Famer, you were inducted in 2014, um, the same day that the Pirates hung 70 on the Tar Heels. Yeah, Pat Dye was in attendance. Uh, just a, a, a tremendous atmosphere and just oh. an awesome, awesome accomplishment and honor for you. And I know I can only imagine how much that means to you. Oh, it was great. Yeah. They tears to my. I shouldn't have. I felt like I shouldn't have got in. You know, just humble. I, I didn't do anything special. I think Coach O paid somebody off and got me in. I really do. But it, yeah, I really, you know, they did. But but that day, you hit it on the head, Bubba. Us beating North Carolina in football. That was awesome. It was. And we put a hurt on. It was so memorable. You know, it was one of the best two days I've ever had in my life. The East Carolina treated us great. And like I said, I felt 
like I didn't deserve it. That's how great they treated us. But to watch, and, and you know, we, we've done that before, especially when I was in school. And back then, you know, we would, we would, you know, it was not the first time we beat North Carolina, but it was really fun watching us beat them and hope and pray we can get back on that, you know, winning edge again. We need, we need football to get on. It's been a long run, hasn't it? God. Six straight seasons, six straight losing seasons, but we're going to change that. I love Coach Mike Houston and yeah. the job he's doing there. This yeah. is the best we've had in a good while for the big three sports of baseball and basketball and football. I really believe that we're on to something special with all three sports. Me too. Me too. I do too. I do too. But it's a great place. Right. It's a it's a great place. But you, we all know, Bubba and Dave, you guys know, when that football starts happening, it's a crazy place. And people want to be a part of it. And the sky's the limit recruiting-wise. Because you know how excited we get just – for the football and, and the local people. It's a, it's a, it's a different place. It's a, I always like to tell a story. Maybe I shouldn't on this podcast, but I remember when I was a freshman, uh, of course it wasn't me, but somebody had got playboy magazine. It wasn't me. And, and, and somebody was reading it. And East Carolina was, uh, was number one on the East coast as far as a party school. This was Good. in 1970. And then this is a great story. And, and it ties in a little bit with football, but it's just how the fans can really get behind a, a sport. But the next year, uh, somebody again in, in our baseball suite got Playboy and the top uh, schools on the East Coast, East Carolina, wasn't even list. This is a true story. And so the year before, it was ranked number one. The next year, wasn't even listed, but then it had an asterisk at the bottom. I don't know if you guys said this is true. It said East Carolina, you can't rank pros with amateurs. Yeah. <laughs> but but that that spirit, you know, gets behind a winning team like the baseball team, the jungle, and gets at East Carolina. It makes it a unique place. I can tell you this, and I'm sorry to be talking so much, but I get excited. But East Carolina has got a distinct advantage in baseball, the way the spirited fans are. You can go to North Carolina. And they've got a great program over there, but it's like a wine and cheese party, you know. People, and you go to East Carolina, they're getting behind their their people, and it makes a big difference. And it's a spe- that's what makes it a special place is the people. It's not the building, it's the how spirited the people are. But it, I think that's what makes it unique. I hate Kyle dismissed that part of the the interview, but we got him back in. I guess that was a perfect, there's a reason what, what, God, like, the podcasting gods made sure he's not on so we won't lose our show, but... Um, what, what did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about how Playboy, when he was at the school at uh, East Carolina, how Playboy ranked East Carolina as the top party school in the nation. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you no know, doubt, I mean, that we would be amongst the top party schools in the nation, and you know, when you said Playboy in East Carolina, I thought you were talking about ranking our co-eds in the uh, in the top ten because uh, they typically would be too. No question, no question about it. I was in the quick quick story. I was in the, at the tournament, the CAA tournament in '98, and I'll never forget. There was this uh, unfortunate uh, fan from a different school. I won't say which one, and he uh, he literally was talking how ugly our cheerleaders were, and I'll never forget. There was an old Dominion fan. Look and said, "Look, you know that I don't pull for that school and I don't like that school, but they've got some. They have some beautiful women. And I'll never forget that." He said, "I don't. I don't know." He said, "You may not like their their basketball team and the tournament." He said, "But you can never say that their cheerleaders are ugly." So. <laughs> without, uh, question. without question, that was at the uh, Richmond Coliseum. But Billy, we could talk to you for hours. It's been such a huge That's honor great. to have you on, and I hope that you'll come back. We do a show called extra innings uh, where we do the baseball uh, like kind of like a wrap up of the week kind of thing. Right. Um, and then if we, uh, whenever we do go further in the thing and this thing during the season or, or postseason, we'll definitely uh, have you back on your wealth of knowledge and appreciate everything you did for the university. And I'm st- you're such a great ambassador still doing for it. And the congratulations there on the hall of fame. is so uh, that's a huge honor. Well, thanks for your kind words. It's an honor to be on your show and, you know, if I could do anything, you guys let me know. It was an honor. Appreciate it, guys. No problem. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Billy Best here with us. Glad to have him, guys. And uh, 
Glad to have him on. Uh, Kyle, thank you. Bubba, thank you, sir, very much. And uh, we'll be doing the 23 Jungle Tales. I know Bubba, they're very excited to have our very first sponsor of the podcast. And uh, definitely want to uh, make sure that uh, anybody that wants to uh, sponsor us, we'd love to have you. But PGX Gloves, as you see at the bottom of the screen, pgxgloves.com. And uh, Kaz, uh, appreciate him uh, for sponsoring this. And I know they have all different types of things. In fact, uh, all the different kind of swag, different kind of gloves, anything you can imagine of a baseball. I know Bubba with uh, their golf gloves, all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. You have baseball gloves. Um, you can he can personalize those. Um, also cu customize those um, different colors. Uh, whether whether it's a name, number, a message. Uh, he he showed me a cool glove that he did for it's actually a family friend of Keith Leclaire that's coaching in a Division two program, Dakota State in South Dakota. And he had KL twenty three on the gloves. So the gloves that you see. Um, you know, on social media that the pirate players are wearing, uh, he can provide something like that for, for your son, grandson, you name it. Uh, maybe you want to get a, a friend, a, a graduation present of some of some sort, and you know, what whatever uh, the occasion may be. Uh, Cause and PGX gloves can provide that for you. And uh, it, like you mentioned, Dave, he also has football and golf gloves as well as uh, some nice looking swag. So go to pgxgloves.com and check it out all right appreciate him very much thanks for the sponsorship and the friendship and uh pirates supporting pirates pgxgloves.com you got to help out cause and uh, i know he's got a great business and appreciate everything he did for the pirates and still representing the university very well all right so we'll be doing the 23 jungle tales between now and obviously the start of the 2021 season we hope it to be february 19th against rhode island we'll see how that plays out in the meantime uh, catch us out everywhere. You can catch the show. And we also have this on uh, Facebook. We have it now on Twitter. It's on the YouTube channel. Growing The show is growing our third year. And thank you so much as always. It's been 23 Jungle Tales. Billy Best, one of the all-time greats. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2014 for his great play at East Carolina ba uh, Baseball. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for watching and listening. And go Pirates! You've been listening to 23 Jungle Tales on the Sports Objective, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. All of these interviews and our other content can be seen on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. The audio can be heard anywhere you listen to our show, including but not limited to Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media on Twitter at TheSportsOBJ, on Instagram at The Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. Go Pirates!